It's 4 o'clock on a Monday. You know what that is. Another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Woohoo! And welcome to the big show, everybody. How are you guys? Hope you had a great weekend. Today, we are going to do Taxi's Top 10. And I want to say it right at the top of the show that the top 10 does not necessarily mean the 10 very best thing out of the thousands and thousands of pieces of music we have. These are 10 things that the staff and the screeners heard during the last month that, that went, wow, that's pretty cool. We should feature those. So we do. We put them on the website. We play them on the show. You guys always seem to enjoy it. Uh, I want to say a quick hi to the folks in the chat room. We've got Dean Turner, Dan Weber, Michael and Deb, I mean, Deb and Keith McCall, Jesse J. Peck, Edmund Red, Andre Stepanian, Ewart Williams, Pierre Venio, Jan Wyland, RKR, uh, Martin Gravel. Did I say that already? Anyway, hi guys. Good to see you. Uh, Michael looks and sounds great. Thanks, Martin Frog. <laughs> Got on my, you know, I actually put on something light and breezy today because today is the very first day of spring. Yay! I love spring. I love daylight savings time. Uh, I actually heard the other day that the U.S. Senate passed a bill, which still has to go through the House, I believe, to make daylight savings time standard year-round in a year from now. Wouldn't I don't think it would start in 2023, maybe 2024. I don't know. Not soon enough as far as I'm concerned because I love leaving work when it's still light outside. Um, what else did I want to tell you guys? Hello, Katrina, Square Business Entertainment, Reed, how are y'all? Oh yeah, don't forget, uh, I mentioned it the other day, we've confirmed it and double confirmed it that taxi member Greg Carroza, who is a frequent hanger out in the chat room on these shows and uh, kind of the, the voice of reason. Um, he's a guy who was falling flat on his face in his early experience with taxi and then went, duh, figured it out and uh, is now climbing the ladder of success pretty quickly uh, and someday will undoubtedly join the ranks of our most successful members, I believe, because he just has the right attitude, the right work ethic, and makes really good music. So there you go. So without any further ado, let's listen to some music. Let's see what we got here. Get my earbud in. Maybe I'll put both of them in because music is in stereo. We paid for two channels. <laughs> All right, this first one is our featured artist of the month. It's a song called Focus, and it's by Hallie Abadi. La, 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 la. My time is money, so I spend it on me Won't catch me chasing after just anybody Cause I've been down that road, that I know where to go I'm so decisive, yeah, I know what I need Focus, hold it 
gonna give what I'm getting But I ain't selfless, got that gold on my neck Can I call 911 an emergency? Can I get your attention please? I need your body needing me Cause I gotta get what's good for me My attitude is fatal That was pretty incredible. Great production on that. Great singing. Um, Brian uh, Langill says, well recorded, well mixed. Could not agree more. Heidi Owen says, talented artist and writer. Uh, Martin Frog likes the pristine vocal sounds. There's auto-tune only for a slight effect, otherwise natural. Wow. Um, you guys are getting really good at analyzing stuff. I like that. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I can't stop thinking about the Quarantini on Wednesday. I've actually been missing the Quarantini crowd. It's kind of hard to do a Quarantini when there's no lockdown really anymore, except for Pierre in Hong Kong, right? You guys are uh, locked down right now, but we're feeling pretty free in America at the moment. Let's hope it stays that way. Things are kind of back to normal. Um, mask mandate off the yeah off the reservation here in LA gotta say uh, went to the grocery store and Costco and a burger place yesterday and uh, it, it was amazing I'd say probably 70 or 80 percent of the people didn't have masks which quite a change for California the state was well masked up um, Marion says call it the taxi happy hour I, I will. It's just there's no longer a crowd stuck at home. I feel goofy doing them. May I want to? I'm thinking about doing something like the quarantinis, but just like members only to ask member-related questions. Kind of the similar vibe as the quarantinis, you know, informal and not too structured, but a place like a maybe a weekly. We used to do. <laughs> I just said a bunch of words and didn't even complete a single sentence. How about that? Um, if I remember, like five, six, seven, eight years ago, we used to do a weekly show for members only. Uh, and it was so that members could ask questions, you know, specifically about taxi and their memberships. And I may start doing that again. 7-Eleven closes at 8 o'clock. Wow. <laughs> the taxi family meeting. <laughs> the weekly taxi cult get-together. How's that? Anyway, let's listen to some more music. Uh, let's see what we've got here. This one's called Help Myself by Annika Carew. Let's have a listen. Time ticks, the clock is speeding up. 
That was so cool. Uh, did you guys notice there were a lot of 
retro sounds and elements in there, yet it sounded modern and contemporary. So for those of you who've ever asked the question, what's the difference between retro and vintage and, you know, the listing asked for something contemporary but with some retro elements, that's a pretty good example. Um, the snare, the snare reverb, a couple of the keyboard sounds. Um, who the, the vocal, not her timbre, not her sound as a vocalist, which I really like the vocal, by the way. Um, but the delivery reminded me of somebody. Who, can anybody take a shot at that? It, it almost had a little bit of an Annie Lennox, like if Annie Lennox were 27. Did the screener call me out of the office to listen to this one? That would be tough because all the screeners are still working remote. I don't think they're ever coming back into the office. Um, we have started doing uh, screener meetings. Uh, we call them tune-ups uh, and doing them on Zoom, which is nice. Um, Belinda Carlisle, maybe a little. Anyway, I, I, I couldn't help think it sounded like somebody, but not to the point where, oh, that's, you know, it's derivative or a ripoff or anything, just reminiscent a little bit. Um, maybe Feist? I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to hear Feist in my head. Uh, all right, so let's move on. Man, we are cruising right through these. We're going to be done with the show in a half an hour. I should tell a gopher story or something. Um, Oh, Angel, by the way, Angel is our CFO here at Taxi, was leaving the office about a week or so ago and sent us all a, a video of a coyote just walking through the parking lot. I mean, coyotes are everywhere in L.A., but there, there have definitely been more of them, it seems, since uh, the lockdowns happened. Maybe they got bolder because there wasn't as much outside activity by humans, but they haven't gone away, that's for sure. Um all right, this one is called Stomp Rock Anthem. It's an instrument. Oh, we've heard this before. I think we played this on, uh, like, would you forward this episode? Um, should we do one of those? We haven't done one in a while. Oh, Ken Mesford, the king of bad jokes. <laughs> oh, man, go for it. Debbie Gibson. I actually once, there used to be, a radio show. I can't remember the name of it. When I first moved to LA in 1988, um, sometimes I would fill in for the engineer on one of those big, like, you know, this is the happening stuff now radio shows. Can't think, oh, man, I can't remember the name of it. Anyway, Debbie Gibson was the guest one time, and she was so young and kind of, on one hand, sweet and, and kind of innocent. On the other hand, business savvy and definitely, oh no, I don't want to update. No, 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 not now. 
Um, anyway, she was a very impressive young lady. She was like still had the innocence of a teenager, yet had the presence of mind of somebody who was making the industry. She worked and not in a bad way. Um, <laughs> All right, let's have a listen. This is Stomp Rock Anthem by Anthony Nisha. such a great, great example when people ask the question, what's the difference between an instrumental and an instrumental cue? That's a, like a, a tour de force of what a cue is. Um, do you mind if I play that one more time and can everybody, because we're cruising through the show pretty quickly, um, and I want everybody to just pay special attention to how the parts change every few bars. Um, the fact that it's got edit points, which is great. The fact that it uses drops and backward symbols going into the edit points. I mean, you could use one of those drops as an end point, you know, boom, right there. Um, you could use a backward symbol, which, by the way, back in my day when we used to uh, walk in, you know, three feet of snow for 10 miles to get to the studio and had to wake the squirrels up and give them a little corn to eat to get the wheels going and get the studio happening, we used to do backward symbols like this. You would have a guy go out in the studio and put like a, any kind of microphone, frankly, on a symbol always sounded pretty good, but usually like an 87 or 414 or something from like three feet away and hit the symbol like medium hard. Uh, and we would do that maybe five, 10, 20 times and then flip the, and record it on quarter inch tape and then flip it over and listen to them backwards and find the best one, put a leader in front of it, a leader behind it, 
cue it up to about two inches before the playhead and then roll the 24 track with the song that needed a backwards cymbal and go boom and fly it in by hand. Little different than today, huh? You kids have it so easy today. All right, let's listen to that one one more time. Pay special attention to how it builds and how the parts are different and all the edit points. It's awesome. the tambourine, B section, little fuller B section, I love it. Such a great, great, great example. Um, yeah, the kick drum in that was pretty awesome. Kind of, you know, a fairly loose head, some padding in there. I mean, it's probably a sample, obviously, but uh, fairly loose head, not a lot of padding. Um, I would say probably a microphone about eight feet away and a, a close mic and uh, a fairly, you know, not a room mic necessarily. Didn't sound that roomy. Um, that was tricky. Replace the expected guitar note with a synth. Yeah, a, a lot of really good stuff in there. Anyway, glad you guys enjoyed it as much as I do because I just love craft. I think that's what I love most about the studio. Now, second most. First, my big love in the studio was hearing great music from usually unsigned bands that nobody knew of and sometimes they just had that one magical song maybe the rest of their songs weren't that strong but the one that really stood out and the look on their faces when they laid down the track and came in the control room to listen back to it the first time and just watching that like wow that's us that always made me feel like i was flying an f-15 or something to like be in in control of that moment and make them happy with how good it sounded. Um, yeah, but uh, craft, just uh, craft 
everything from production to engineering to guitar playing to even choices of bass notes, everything. Lovecraft. All right. Now we're going to listen to... This one's called Back Down by Kyle Laird, not to be confused with Marion Laird. Um, it says, As the Structure Falls, which is the name of the band, As the Structure Falls. Okay, let's have a listen to this. who's not fat the drummer in that band can you imagine the calories burnt by that dude 
assuming it's a dude. Could be a lady. Uh, wow. <laughs> Again, great production, great everything in there. It's definitely not a genre that I would listen to on a road trip, but you've got to appreciate the, the craft. The quality of that was just amazing. And the vocal, holy crap. Everybody, same thought I was having, which is it made my throat hurt. Yep. <laughs> I prefer to gargle a sheet metal screws before I sing like this. <laughs> oh, man. That was incredible. It is. Uh, somebody just said, Keith Summer says, totally tight. Amazingly tight. Amazingly. Wow. I love checking out what our members are doing. You know, I think it was Marion said earlier, Taxi has made her aware and appreciative in so many words of so many genres. That's one of the greatest benefits of working at this company. Um, I think all of us would say that, that uh, jingle for Sucrets. Very good, Pierre. Uh, that, you know, we all get turned on to genres that we normally wouldn't go out of our way to download or stream or buy a CD, God forbid. Uh, and then you listen to stuff and go, wow, that's really well done. And somebody out there someday needs it for something. That's the cool part. All right. Let us listen next to, this is called New You from Jonathan Goldman, and the band is Basic Elements.
Wow, fade. That's a long fade. I'm gonna go make a sandwich, I'll be right back. I know, I guess Marion says I miss fades, you know? Uh, we live in a world now, and certainly with film and TV, where fades are not cool, but I mean, okay, let's talk about this for a minute. Um, first of all, I, I again, expertly, crafted in every regard uh and, and i've got to say personally the 80s were my least it, it was my least favorite uh, decade of music by far there is no other decade that i have bad feelings about the 80s and i just did not connect don't know why but it happened uh, i remember working on a couple records uh, one for polygram i think and another for warner brothers uk uh, I was moonlighting. I was doing audio post by day, and I got requested to work on these records by a guy named Mike Thorne, who produced uh, Tainted Love for Soft Cell. And somehow, I think my music attorney called me at the time and said, Mike Thorne wants to meet you, blah, blah, blah. And I said, I can't do records. I'm doing audio post all day. And they offered me so much money. I said, okay, because so, that's the way I am. Just give me enough money, and I'll be there. So I would finish work at like 6 p.m. doing audio post stuff, you know, with like famous voiceover people and mixing the picture and doing a Hertz ad one minute and uh, something for a Broadway show two hours later, and then take a little half hour break, stuff a burger in my face, and in would walk the band with Mike Thorne. And uh, it was painful. I just couldn't relate to the music. I don't know why, but um, just sitting there doing overdub after overdub, and just I liked the guys in the the two bands. Um, Mike Thorne was fascinating to work with, kind of a, a legend at the time, maybe still is. And uh, it, it was just hard. The, you know, when I worked on stuff in the '70s, it was like at the end of the day, you felt like a, you accomplished something. Working on that stuff, I never did. Sorry, guys. If if you happen to be watching the show and you know who you are, um, I'm sorry. I really liked it as people. Anyway, but that, I think, was kind of a masterpiece right there. Um, once again, think about this. So you're a music supervisor, and the executive producer on the TV show says, and we've got a, a flashback to 1985. And we need something that sounds like Simple Minds, Depeche Mode, whomever. Um, and they find that in a library. It doesn't exactly rip off anybody's song. Uh, the La La La's come, uh, what was that song? Uh, oh, God, I can't think of the title, but you guys know I suck at song titles. Um, anyway, the La La La's pretty similar, but um, didn't infringe any copyrights, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and the vocal approach, the way the, the vocalist stylized it, the sounds, the snare sound in that, by the way, was spectacularly good, um, even better than, I would venture to say, than the best snare sounds of that 
real era. So hats off to whoever got that snare sound. I think, I think, could that have been a real drummer? A um, couple of the turnarounds just sounded too human to be a drum machine. Don't you forget about me. Thank you. Um, that was the song. Uh, snared the snare. There you go. Um, anyway, I just thought that uh, everything about that was perfect. So if a music supervisor was tasked with get me something that sounds like those bands, that really sounds like those bands, but doesn't rip them off. So when our young couple walks into the party, that's playing in the background. There you go. That is perfect. Good, good job on that, Jonathan Goldman. Ah, here's a guy I haven't heard from since I interviewed him for the newsletter like a year ago. Derek Handy, who has just, he's like so modest about his success and the number of placements he gets. Um, if you Google Derek Handy, H-A-N-D-Y in taxi, uh, you'll see the interview I did with him, I think during the quarantine, I think, I don't know. Time, time is an abstract concept at this point, right? Um, I'm actually going to see two of my grandkids this weekend, and my daughter pointed out that I haven't seen them in three years. It had been a year since I'd seen them, uh, and then COVID happened, so it's been three years in total. And I've got a grandson that's three and a half years old. Last time I saw him, he was like a newborn practically. So anyway, excited about that, but again, the concept of time, eh, it's all relative. All right, here we go. This is called Rise and Fall. It's an instrumental, and it's by Derek Handy. There's my radio voice. the beginning of the thriller.
I saw somebody mention that they weren't sure if it's YouTube. I get to, this is from Chris, the only one. Uh, too many, whoops, too much bottom and not enough high end. It's funny, I'm listening here and I am, what am I listening to? I'm actually listening to it go from a Mac laptop into my Rodecaster out of the roadcaster and into the software that broadcasts the big show. And I was hearing it be very bright and not a lot of bottom end. So I have no idea. Um, but yeah, it's, it, Derek Handy is a sweet, nice, humble guy, very unassuming. And to listen to this and go, wow, that came out of him. I'm impressed. He's a talented guy, um, has had a ton, ton, ton of placements. <laughs> my guest says, haven't cut my hair in two months. Oh, that's about normal for me. And I have a broken tooth that you can see whenever I open my mouth. Well, if I said that to my wife, I know what her response to that would be. But we'll leave my wife out of this right now. Using my Bear Dynamic headphones, I love, or Bayer Dynamics, I love them. Um, back in my Criteria Studio days, I want to say they were DT90s or 900s or something. I don't know. They were white, indestructible buyers that, um, it was amazing, <clears throat> excuse me, how many times people would stand on the headphone cable and or have their foot on and then stand up to get out of a chair and go hit the men's room or something. And they were so smart, the people at Bayer, that the where the cord went into them was made to come out. Clearly they were built for the studio. Um, 770s, maybe. I mean, these would have been, they were white kind of rectangle, close-eared, black foam pads around them, you know, with plastic over the foam. Um, I remember they weren't amazing sounding. They were good sounding, not like oh, amazing, like cost headphones colored the sound. They had a sound. Um, the buyers didn't. They, they sounded like kind of like our control room monitors, at least the, you know, like NS10s, which I don't think we had that. What do we have? JBL 4311s probably. Um, anyway, I like buyers. They took a lot of level. Mark Field loves his DT770s. I should buy a pair of buyers. I haven't had any in a very long time. Speaking of equipment getting destroyed when you didn't want it to, uh, when I first moved to New York from Florida, and I, I just got mad one night and said, that's it, I'm never making another record. And I went home and woke up my wife and said, come on, we're moving to New York and I'm gonna do audio post-production. I didn't have a clue what audio post was or how hard it was, whole different craft than doing records. Um, anyway, one of the things that I did, I worked at a place called the Na National Video Center, which used to be a huge bus terminal uh, on 42nd Street and 9th Avenue in Manhattan. And the movie with Tootsie was actually filmed there. Dustin Hoffman was walking around dressed in drag when I went to apply for the job sitting next to me. And I remember thinking, boy, that poor woman is just not very attractive. And it was Dustin Hoffman, I had no clue. Sitting next to me on the couch in the waiting area. Anyway, um, 
what was his name? Bill Parcells was the coach of, I can't remember, the coach, Giants or the Jets? I can't remember which. Anyway, Parcells, one of the great coaches of all time, nice enough guy. But every um, Friday, I think they came in to do the weekend, um, like, pregame show. And Parcells and whoever the host was in, like, four guys from the team. And the Giants, thank you. And Pierre says the Jets. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was. Let's find out. Let's find out. I've got time. Ewart says the Giants. I know him to be an honest guy. Which New York team did Bill Parson? Woo, something went wrong. Oh no, Google's broken. Which New York team did Bill Parcells coach? The Giants. From 83 to 90. Okay, so anyway, um, these guys would all sit. They were talking heads, like four or five of them on a table. And when the show was over, every time I worked with them, I'd say, guys, remember, please wait for myself or my assistant to come out and unplug your lavalier microphones before you stand up and walk away. They never did. I swear they did it on purpose. Sometimes they would pop them off themselves and literally step on and crush a lavalier microphone because they were multi-millionaire football players that could get away with that stuff. Uh, and I'd hold up a broken mic and go, Coach, come on. And he'd just look at me and go, what? You know, what can I do? Anyway, so uh, the buyers, buyer headphones were built to take that kind of abuse, although I never tested them on the New York Giants. All right, let's listen to Heartbreak Machine by Aaron Selkis, also known as Aaron Alyssa. Let's have a listen.
another fade. Wow. Maybe fades are coming back. Whoops. Sorry. Um, Paul House is in the house. Wow. Yeah, I love that song. Um, I've got to say, I'm sure it was intentional. I don't think it was accidental at all because the kick drum was like really tiny and super compressed and had very little bottom on it. And the song had very little bottom, yet the production and engineering on it were really, really good. So I think the whole thing was by intent. Um, I don't know that I would, you know, I'm too old and I wouldn't have thought that, I wouldn't have come up with that. Um, I would have approached it differently, but I think what they did is better. It, it was really, really good. Uh, break my heart if you must, but just keep singing that song. Paul's going to bed. Paul, I just saw you in the chat room, dude. You can't go to bed. <laughs> oh my gosh, what time is it over there? It's like, uh, one o'clock in the morning, right? Anyway, good to see you, Paul. Hey, Paul. I may be coming to the UK in the next few months. Uh, it does, it is a little Kylie Minogish. I would say you're right about that. Um, I've been talking to some songwriting organizations in the UK, and we have a pretty strong following in the UK, and it's been years and years, like probably 15 or more years since I've gone over there and done like a, a one-man taxi thing so I'm thinking about it anyway um, all right let's listen to the next one's call I love the title of this one I noticed it before uh, this is called the devils in the whiskey and it's by John Weber not to be confused with Dan Weber although you guys could be related because they're only like what four or five Webbers in the world here we go heartbreak machine Nope. I mean, the devil's in the whiskey. Oops. Whiskey is divine, you know, the nectar of the gods. And oftentimes after a few, I'll wake up in the bogs. I'll not remember what I did or who I did it to. But when I get myself back home, I'll find I'm black and blue. Oh, the devil's in the whiskey, and the whiskey she's in me. She makes me feel lightheaded, as if I were at sea. She warms me so, she makes me more, she fills me hard with me. The devil's in the whiskey, and the whiskey she's in me. I love the way you make me feel when you are going down. Despite the awful looks I get as I stagger out of town I cannot go an entire day without me liquid gold Even if it's barely aged, just one or two weeks old Oh, the devil's in the whiskey and the whiskey she's in me She makes me feel lightheaded as if I were at sea She warms me so, she makes me bold, she fills me hard with thee The devil's in the whiskey and the whiskey she's in me the way you make me feel, tis a comfort well and true The only time I'm truly sad is when me bottle's through I love to smell and taste you, you make everything alright I wish that I could drink you every morning, noon and night Oh, the devil's in the whiskey and the whiskey she's in me She makes me feel like heading as if I were at sea She warms me 
soul, she makes me bold, she fills me hard with thee. The devil's in the whiskey, and the whiskey she's in me. Your golden amber color, it takes me breath away. And I enjoy your tasty pleasure each and every day. I'll happily spend all me money for another round. And pray I make it home tonight before I hit the ground. Oh, the devil's in the whiskey and the whiskey she's in me. She makes me feel lightheaded as if I were at sea. She warms me so, she makes me bold, she fills me hard with thee. The devil's in the whiskey and the whiskey she's in me. We never own the whiskey, the best we can is rent. That sweet and golden nectar to us is only lent. Our bliss is temporary, but the joy is still sublime. For we can drink our friend the whiskey time after time. Oh, the devil's in the whiskey, and the whiskey she's in me. She makes me feel lightheaded, as if I were at sea. She warms me so, she makes me bold, she fills me hard with me. The devil's in the whiskey, and the whiskey she's in me. I took up with the whiskey when I was just a lad. And learn to hold me liquor, just like me dear old dad. Now I must drink twice as much as any other bloke before I can go home at night and give me wife a poke. Oh, the devil's in the whiskey, and the whiskey she's in me. She makes me feel lightheaded, as if I were at sea. She warms me so, she makes me bold, she fills me hard with glee. The devil's in the whiskey, and the whiskey she's in me. Whoever said priceless was correct. I mean, how can I can't stop smiling? I love that song. Uh, yes, Jackson Lucas noticed what I heard as well. Give my wife a poke. Ah, I hope he didn't hit her in the eye. Uh, anyway, that was really, really well done. The lyrics were brilliant. The vocal was right on the money. The production was great. The spirit, uh, come on, how could you not love that? Um, it made me think, uh, I just saw the movie Belfast uh, with Katrina Belf a week ago. Um, I'm curious to see if any of you saw it. Uh, everybody thought it was an Oscar contender. It, it may still be. Um, what did you guys think of Belfast? Never buy a pig in a poke. There you go. Wow. Nobody saw Belfast. Nancy Colel, I should be drinking Jameson right now. There you go. I'm pretty sure he would be very happy if you did that. <laughs> the Germans getting frunk there. 
Yeah, I don't know anybody that saw it, and I only watched it because I actually think that um, Katrina Balfe is a great actress. I love her in Outlander. And I thought, well, it's getting a little buzz. Let's check it out. And uh, I, I, it's depressing and heartwarming. Um, anyway, and it was in black and white. Um, did I like Belfast? Uh, I wouldn't watch it a second time. And I do tend to watch movies that I love many, many times. Uh, it, it's a new movie. It's been out for like a month or so. Um, Yeah, the, the story is more than the movie. Okay, another movie about a young boy. Yeah, it is. It's about a young boy, um, very turbulent time uh, in Belfast, and uh, fast times at Belmont High. There you go. Rolf Shields on whiskey right now. <laughs> anyway, um, you... You won't hate yourself for watching it. Um, you won't call up your best friend and say, you got to see it. Um, I am a little bit in love with Katrina Belf. Um, she's a whole different character in Belfast than she obviously is an outlander. Um, I really enjoy her acting, though. She She's so totally believable when she's in character that you forget that you're watching an actress work. So good on you. Um, yeah, Kenneth Branagh made the movie, and he's done some great movies. Um, Liz says she liked it a lot. Uh, okay. Yeah. Maybe just I wasn't in the right frame of mind. I don't know. Um, okay. Moving on. We've got a couple more left. This one is called All in Favor. It's an instrumental. It's by Rasmus Bogland. Uh, let's have a listen to this. Time for a single malt. You guys, you're all about the drinking now.
Wow. You got to love this, you know? Our members are so diverse, and the music is so incredibly good. Um, yeah, if those trumpets are sampled, I give up. I'm going home. I'm taking my bat and my ball, and I am checking out. <laughs> incredibly good. Um, every one of the players was amazing, and I don't mean to criticize this. It's just a matter of taste, okay? And I'm only saying this because I got chewed out by a jazz artist I was recording in maybe the late 70s, early 80s, guy named Ernest Wranglin from Jamaica. Um, and he looked at me and he said, you're, you're engineering our jazz record like a rock record or a pop record. We're in a room. We're looking at each other. We're standing six feet away from each other. We want to feel the room. We want to hear the room. So it, I love everything about what we just heard. But the whole time I'm sitting there hearing Ernest Wranglin sitting right there on my shoulder going, more room, more room. Um, it was a great engineering job and a great mix, just more room. But that's a personal preference thing. But the players, oh, wow. Whew. All right, last one on the list. This one is called Girls by Lucia Lally, L-A-L-E, Lale, Lucia Lale. Let's go with that. Let's have a listen to Girls. You're not king of my castle, I'm its queen. Living in a nightmare, but this is my dream. When I'm living in a fairy tale, don't need you to rescue me. I'm exactly where I wanna be.
that was eminently licensable, in my opinion, because thematically, you know, female empowerment is something that gets requested all the time. Stomp clap is popular. It's the lyric theme and the track work really, really well together to make something that's very licensable, in my opinion. Um, and there you go. Katrina agrees with me. Uh, Katrina, you're so smart. <laughs> totally strutting. This should get placements early. I agree. Uh, so Jesse J. Peck asked me in the chat a few minutes ago, uh, how would I make more room? Well, Jesse, the thing about that is it's very dependent on the song itself, anything from the key to the tempo to the dynamics to clearly the instrumentation. So uh, there's not like a generic prescription for just adding room. I, mean, I know it's easy to default to, well, I just throw up a stereo pair of room mics, and you could. The problem with stereo room mics is if your drummer is a medium, hard, hard, hard cymbal hitter, you got a problem. So, um, I mean, you know, you can gate them, you can do all kinds of stuff, but I, I would say just get mic the room correctly. So you have to consider all those elements. Now, the day that Ernest Wranglin said to me, you're engineering this like a pop record or a rock record, whatever he said, um, he was 100% correct, and the room we are in was 43 feet deep, 25 feet wide, 20-foot um, ceilings with pyramids built in, like, I want to say, like 10 double pyramids going down the ceiling, um, but they were... Uh, Carpeted. The, the rooms back then were very carpeted. And remember, this was in the era of the Bee Gees. Um, Hotel California, rooms were carpeted. They didn't have a lot of wood. Generally speaking, most of the A-list studios in the country at the time had carpet on the walls, um, bass traps on the walls, maybe some like pecky cedar, pecky cypress, polycylindrical diffusers on the walls. Um, they were acoustically done. They were done by pro designers, but that was what people wanted back then, was really good isolation and dead sounds. And then you would add reverb to make them undead. So trying to record a jazz record, a legit jazz record, in a legit jazz recording way um, didn't really work well in those rooms. But guys like Rudy Van Gelder, um, who's the king of doing jazz records and recording direct to disc, they would go to a tape machine just as a backup, but they would literally take the, the, the stereo bus right to the cutting lathe and record right to the disc. And a lot of times they would avoid consoles and just use like super high-end um, class A preamps and, and just avoid all, all the stuff in a console just to get the noise lower and get more purity of sound. Um, so nowadays if I wanted to get more room, I mean, the rooms are, are much more amenable to getting a room sound. And a lot of the better studios have room mics that are already embedded. You know, they're on the walls or they're in the ceiling um, because they know their room really well and they know which mics work well with where at in the room. 
they work well. So I don't know that I would have to do a lot of research if I went to make a record in one of those rooms. I would just turn to the assistant and say, okay, which pair of room mics should I use for this? But all that said, um, back in the day, if I wanted more room, I would just take the moving blankets off the piano. Instead of having the, the grand piano lid open that much, I would open it way up. Um, I would take the gobos from around the guitar amps. I would just loosen things up. Sometimes I would bring in four by eight sheets of plywood and either throw them on the floor or lean them up against the walls, all that stuff. Um, Info on Rudy Van Gelder was all worth this meat. <laughs> Glad you like that, Jackson. Yeah, check out Rudy Van Gelder. Listen to his records. Incredible stuff. Um, my favorite live room, I can absolutely tell you, uh, was Power Station Studio A in New York that became Avatar, and now it is part of Berkeley. Berkeley bought it, I believe. Studio A, yeah, listen to... Just Google records recorded um, at Power Station in Studio A. F incredible. You could fart in that room and it sounded like a platinum record. It was just so sweet sounding. An old friend of mine owned it and designed it. And uh, he, he really didn't do a lot of math or a lot of physics. He just used common sense. And what he did was took... Um, uh, bats of fiberglass, cut them down the middle, and then, so let's say it was like a three inch thick piece of fiberglass, like medium compressed, um, and then take the side with the, the, the paper on it and staple that to a wall, um, and then take, uh, what do you call it, uh, nylon, oh gosh, I can't remember the name of it now, um, Anyway, fabric that you can see through. The rule of thumb with acoustic fabric that they use on speaker grills um, is if you can see light through it pretty well, then sound will travel through it pretty well. So you take that, you put it over the fiberglass batting, uh, and then uh, they would take like a one-inch strip, a three-inch strip, and a five-inch strip of pine, I believe, in that room, um, and just alternated them and always left a half inch space between them. So you had all these variable, vari you know, various sizes of wood adding irregular reflectivity, which is what you want, and the space between those planks allowed stuff to get to the fiberglass so that it made the room not too live, and they adjusted how live it was when they built it by adding more layers of polyurethane. So the more polyurethane that they put on, the less the wood itself spoke, um, and it got more reflective. Anyway, um, I remember, I, I'm sure I've told this story during one of the quarantinis or something, but going to that room, um, Tony Bon Jovi, who's John Bon Jovi's uncle, name is spelled a little differently, same family. Um, Tony built the place and owned it, and I've known him since like 76, 77, something like that. I was in New York working on a record and needed to edit a quarter inch because I was on my way to a mastering session and realized that I think I had to change the order of songs on the album or something. So I called Tony and he said, sure. Um, why don't you go into Studio A? Um, oh gosh, uh, 
can't remember which band was in there. Um, anyway, uh, the drummer was sitting out in the room, uh, just sitting on a stool with nothing but a snare drum in the middle of the room. And I was in the control room editing. Um, and I just opened up the room mic that was probably 15 feet above him and just listened bap, and went, oh my God, that's the best snare sound I've ever heard in my life, bar none, with nothing but a room mic open. No compression, no EQ, no nothing. Just like a 57 hanging from the ceiling, 10, 15 feet over the snare. Just sounded amazing. Oh, Aerosmith was, was using the room, but they were out that day, but it was Joe Perry sitting in the middle of the room just whacking that snare drum um anyway so that is just one of the greatest sounding rooms ever as a matter of fact uh tony bon jovi now lives in my i i used to live in pompano beach florida back in the day in like the mid 70s to the early 80s he lives in pompano beach and he reconstructed Studio A from Power Station to the exact same specs because he still had the blueprints. And that studio exists not only in New York City, and I think somebody else built a replica of it somewhere in the Northeast, but it's in Pompano Beach uh, as well. So yeah, if you are ever in Pompano Beach, Florida or Fort Lauderdale, basically Pompano Beach is like North Fort Lauderdale. Um, I, I don't know what the studio is called. Maybe he calls it Power Station South or something. Uh, call them up and ask them for a tour. Um, I would suspect that the place is probably booked 365 days a year. Uh, boy, you guys are having a good time with Bon Jovi's name in there. Well, we've got nine minutes left, kids. I think I'm out of studio stories. Uh, wow, Mark, you're a mile away from Pompano Beach. I used to live at the intersection of Atlantic and Northeast 13th, I believe. Um, uh, you're welcome, Jesse. Uh, you know, people work so hard to isolate stuff, but you don't listen to music isolated. Um, but that was the sound of back then. I mean, listen to like any of those Bee Gees records. It, it literally sounds like every single instrument was overdubbed in a carpeted room because it was. It sounded great because that was the sound of the time. But if you went back to one of those rooms, which they've now heavily modified and updated them to sound right for today's records. But um, man, oh man, if I went back to Studio C Criteria, which is where I Shot the Sheriff was done, um, one of these nights, Hotel California, Fooled Around, Fell in Love by Elvin Bishop, um, Jive Talking by the Bee Gees, Saturday Night Fever, all that stuff was recorded there. And it was a tiny room. This The, the live room itself, I'm guessing, was 25 feet deep by maybe 20 feet wide. It was tiny um, and, and almost all carpeted. I mean, you walked into that room and it was like walking into an anechoic chamber where you could like hear the blood coursing through your veins. It was so dead in that room. Jan Wylage, three counties away from Pompano Beach. <laughs> Power Station Studios in Pompano Beach, Florida. So, correct. Wikipedia says so. And everything on the internet is 
correct, right? <laughs> Will I mix a song for you in that badass console? I, I would if I could, but here, let me... Here, let me show you what's really behind me. It's my office. <laughs> and now I've probably totally screwed up my visuals with the green screen. Nope. Um, I would love to mix a record on that console. Um, definitely the world I come from. Um, Co-founder of Bon Jovi Acoustic Labs headquartered in Port St. Lucie, Florida. Uh, has developed a suite of algorithms called Bon Jovi Acoustic Labs Digital Power Station. Um, you know, I should go visit Tony because Port St. Lucie is one of the greatest snook fishing places in the world, maybe the greatest. Oh, look, the guy with the alarm that goes off numerous times a day is back. He disappeared for like six months. I liked him better when he was at home wearing a mask in his backyard. Come on, buddy, turn it off. Yep, there he is. That's right, Jan, you live in Port St. Lucie. Nobody could snooker you. <laughs> Any progress on the laptop? No. Honestly, um, I'm going to Orlando to visit some grandkids this coming weekend and last night I was sitting in our bed and looking I actually uh, opened up logic and I thought you know why don't I just bring my my good headphones rather than my noise canceling ones and um, sit on the plane and do something with logic but then I thought about it and thought no um, I need to interview Dan Weber soon for um, the passenger profile. I haven't forgotten Dan, by the way. Um, as a matter of fact, if you don't hear from me tomorrow, which is Tuesday, Dan, would you please call the office and remind me so we can set a time to do the interview? But that's what I planned on doing on the plane uh, this weekend to go see the grandkids was writing my interview questions for the Dan Weber passenger profile. But I did take yesterday off. I worked all day Saturday and took all day yesterday off. It was nice. All right, we've got four, three and a half minutes left. Any questions from the gallery? By the way, um, Lucas, I wonder, <laughs> by the nature of Lucas's questions and comments today, I wonder if Lucas is, is super blonde by another name. If not, the two of you have to do a road trip together, and I want to be in the backseat with a video camera for that. You guys are so similar in, in the nature of comments and questions you asked during these shows that it was kind of hysterical to me. Richard Emmett, how are you, Richard? Good to see you in there. I love it when I see old friends pop in the chat room. It's like, are you guys sitting there quietly at home eating your dinner and watching the show? And then you make a comment. It's like, oh, Richard Emmett's here today. <laughs> Have you been here all day? Question, this is a great question from Katrina. Uh, where does jazz get placed in sync? Um, 
the most common use of jazz, in my humble opinion, is in scenes where you would have cocktail jazz. It's very often in a bar scene, in a restaurant scene. It could be an intimate dinner, husband and wife, could be um, a, a business deal going down. But I've always said that jazz, uh, cocktail jazz, solo piano cocktail jazz is a good investment of your time and expertise. And they're not looking for the most amazing um, player tinkling the ivories. They're looking for something that blends seamlessly into the background while a lengthy conversation is going on, which means the music is going to run for a very long time. I know I've said this a thousand times that there are new people in the room today. Um, yep, Bob Meddy, he's the, the king of that stuff. Um, anyway, they don't want anything that gets your attention because if it gets your attention then you've missed out on the dialogue and the action in the scene but a, a typical instrumental cue in a reality show let's say could get used for four seconds or 12 seconds or 19 seconds or maybe 26 seconds they rarely get used for any length of time and people who are new to the sync industry are like oh my god they only used it for you know 12 seconds well that's all they needed it for it's not about your song or your instrumental it's about the dialogue and the actors um, but in the case of solo piano cocktail jazz it will play for a long time because it's a continuous conversation a dialogue um, strive to be average that's right damn it <laughs> uh, What else did I want to say about jazz? Um, club scenes, or, or think about like the Ocean's Eleven movies. Um, by the way, we have had so many great listings. Congratulations to our A&R department. They have been killing it, just absolutely killing it with great listings. Um, I've noticed that submissions are kind of slow right late, lately. I'm guessing it's because people can't afford to submit because they're going broke buying gasoline and groceries. Hopefully that will end in another year or two. It sounds like it's gonna be around for a while. But um, the, the quality of the listings, the places the listings are coming from, the new companies that we're adding, you know, if you've already got your music in three, four, five different catalogs and you think, oh, I'm all set. I've got all these people wanting my music. <clears throat> We just keep adding better and better. <laughs> the companies we ran listings for before were slouchy by any stretch of the imagination, but we just keep running better listings from better companies, and I hope you guys um, take advantage of that. Uh, Pierre got a placement in the hiking show with a Dixieland type cue. There you go. Marion says the listings are fab. Yep. Uh, why are the songs we listen to here usually not available on YouTube? I can't speak for all these folks. I think a lot of them know that they should um, just keep their stuff off the internet if they want to license it. Um, I'm going to go in a minute too, Edmund. i got to wrap this up. We're over time now by a minute and 27 seconds. <clears throat> Somebody just asked, uh, where's Rob Shirelli? Well, I just spoke to him this weekend for the first time in about a month. Um, 
I literally could see him in his driveway. <clears throat> Excuse me. I could, if you stand in um, our bedroom and look out the window, you can see the Shirelli's front of their house in their driveway. I saw Rob and I called him and we spoke for, I don't know, 45 minutes maybe on Saturday night or Friday night. Um, he told me that he is busier now than he, I was going to ask him if he'd do a, a taxi TV with me. He is so incredibly busy. He said he's never, he doesn't recall ever being this busy ever before in his career. And his career is like 30 years long so far. So congratulations, Robbo. Happy for you, but I miss you, my brother, and wish I could get you back on the show. Oh, thanks for re-upping, Nancy. Always glad to have you in the house. Um, anyway, all right, let's wrap things up, kids. And don't forget that Wednesday at 2 o'clock, a special time, um, Greg Carroza and his wife are actually driving to L.A. from Albuquerque, New Mexico to go see the Lakers play the Sixers. Can you believe that? That is hardcore fandom. So when he mentioned he's coming, I said, well, is there any chance that you could swing by the office and we could do a, a quarantini together? So hopefully he doesn't hit any terrible traffic. Uh, we built a little bumper in there just, you know, in case. Um, you can always expect traffic in L.A. Um, and uh, so, yeah, we're going to do at least an hour, if not 90 minutes, Wednesday, starting at 2 o'clock Pacific time. Be here. Um, Chris, glad you enjoyed it. This is what it's always like. Um, we love hanging out together. We love learning together. We all enjoy each other's company. And uh, I think there's a lot of practical information dispensed on these shows. So with that, I bid you guys a fond farewell. I will see you on Wednesday, 2 o'clock with Mr. Carosa, And we'll be back here next Monday at 4 o'clock for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Bye, you guys. <laughs>